Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Pain and Game starring The Rock. And before we get started, be forewarned, this discussion will be chock full of spoilers. And I did say The Rock, but in this movie, he's actually credited as Dwayne Johnson. And that was something I had to go back and check because I really thought in all the promotion for this, and it might have been the WrestleMania tie-in, that he was billed as The Rock for this. I think he's kind of embraced The Rock at this point. I mean, I, I just think people know he has a real name, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's one of those things where it's just he wasn't able to shake it. And so it was either, you know, be The Rock or be the guy who's, you know, constantly, you know, Mark Wahlberg trying to tell people he's not Marky Mark. Yes. You know, Mark Wahlberg, I guess it's worked for him. Uh-huh. Uh, he, you know, he's certainly successful. But, you know, there's part of me that thinks, hey, Marky Mark might, you know, sell more, you know, movie tickets, you know? Oh, I yeah. Mean, there's there's something about, you know, these easy names. Mark Wahlberg, every time I spell it, I spell Wahlberg wrong. And uh, <laughs> well, there's that H in there for no yeah, reason. It's, it's It's a sneaky little H, some wizard stuck in there when they were handing out names but the uh the rock yeah i think uh i mean i think that's part of it is you know he came back to wrestling and he wasn't Dwayne. but i think he you know overall you know for movies maybe he has to put uh dwayne johnson in the credits but i think if he's on the tonight show the mm-hmm. rock is what they yeah. say when he comes out now i think you know i think that time where he was trying to get past it i think he's come and gone and said hey you know what that's i guess that's who i am now and let's just uh you know it works and i'm a yeah. huge star because of it why not uh why not keep going yeah and it goes down as one of those ab- absurd names that i'm sure that was like the first thing his agent in hollywood said is we well we can't call you the rock that's absurd right. and then they probably went back through hollywood history and said well no it's not that absurd yeah no i mean there's you know there and there's there's been guys if you go way back there were even guys with crazy names you know uh there's a famous uh japanese actor named mako and it's a one word four letter name you know it's yeah. very unusual to look at and and you know of course you know mr t you know mm-hmm. is a guy who had a had a good career you know with a with a name that was certainly unusual and cedric the entertainer who we saw in yes. be cool you know, it went out of his way to make his name extra crazy, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's been, you know, it's it's Hollywood. It's show business, you know. I, I guess whatever works, works. And, you know, you stick with what you, – you dance with the girl that went to the problem with you or whatever that expression is. Yes. April 26, 2013. This movie is recent. Yes, yes. I, it was I, – I remember at WrestleMania Access, right. there was actually, I think, an opportunity to take a picture in front of the backdrop from this movie. I remember it at, at WrestleMania weekend, this was really being pushed. Yes. Well, I will tell you, I uh, I went to 
access with my son. And uh, they, it was a photo op where you would go and you would stand in front of a green screen and they would, they would put you into the movie poster. And so I was going to go in there with my son, you know, so he, my son's two, he goes over, stands against the green screen. And I went to go join him and I just thought the picture looked so funny. Yeah. My son is looking at the image of himself, and he sees that they have, like, these scowls on. So yeah. he has a scowl. Oh, so I have great. this great picture. I'll show it to you. Uh, of my son sitting there just looking angry, you know, and he's right next to the rockets. You know, they <laughs> superimpose you so you're, like, halfway behind them and everything. So, yeah, oh. I didn't know what this movie was going to be about. I got to say, when I put the DVD in the machine, I didn't know it was directed by Michael Bay. Okay. And I didn't know that this wasn't a drama so i had maybe you know all the commercials i'm sure were all over raw but i have a dvr and i'm sure i skipped them and so my knowledge of this film was i thought this was going to be like the fighter uh Mm -hmm. with mark mark Wahlberg. i thought this was going to be a drama you know rocky style movie Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean the the plot of the movie would certainly suggest that's the the direction that they probably should have went in yeah so yeah i mean it's completely understandable i mean I remember tracking this movie as it was being made that, you know, Michael Bay was sort of stepping away from big budget filmmaking and making a a smaller budget film. Not that this was a small budget by any means, but, you know, something that wasn't going to have, you know, giant robots and explosions. Um, And that and that also I remember reading an interview with uh, one of the screenwriters where he said they were sort of basing the tone of it on Fargo, which, you know, sort of gave me the heads up going in as to as to what I was going to see. No, I could definitely see that in this uh, in this film. Uh, Michael Bay, of course, Transformers, but he also directed a film years ago called The Rock. Yes, which is, does not star the wrestler. <laughs> right, so he's the director of The Rock, the movie, not the wrestler. He was also the director of Armageddon, the the movie, not the pay per view. <laughs> so, and then yeah. I guess during this, he got to be the director of The Rock, the wrestler, not the movie. Yeah, and when they reboot The Rock in a couple years, because it will probably be due, they can actually probably put him in in either role. That's right. Now, Michael Bay, prior to uh, his his you know great fame as an explosion director, uh, he directed Bad Boys, which yeah. Bad Boys Two is certainly a big budget explosion fest. But ba- the first Bad Boys was kind of in line with this movie on the on the level of what type of movie it was, you know. Yeah, and they both take place in in Miami. Miami, right? Miami love yeah. Miami. Yeah. And actually, if you remember the Meatloaf video for. Um, I would do anything for love, mm-hmm. but I won't do that. Yes. Um, that was directed by Michael Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's a great song. Um, I have had a lot of discussions with people about that song mm-hmm. who want to know what he won't do. <laughs> but the thing about it is it's it's – in the lyrics, it's clearly defined what he won't do, but people overlook it because it's so obvious. Oh, really? You know what? I I have never really taken the time to listen to find out what he wouldn't do. See, here's the thing. He won't do a whole bunch of stuff. See, the thought everybody has is they're like, oh, it's a code. There's one yeah. thing he won't do. But it's like she's like, hey, will you take me places I'll, I'll, I've never been? He's like, I can do that. She's like, will you love me forever? And then he's like, I, I won't do that. And uh. So if you listen, he tells you over and over. It's like certain things. I think he, he won't leave her is the one thing mm-hmm. he keeps saying he won't do. But it's said 
throughout the song, there's a couple different things he won't do. Mm. Um, and he responds, I won't do that. And so if you listen, that's what he's saying he won't do. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's in the song. And so I've heard people that are like, you know, there's something mysterious. I, I think I figured <laughs> it out though. You want to hear what I think it is? And you're like, uh, you know, it's not whatever you think it is. Meatloaf. Yeah. Not to get on a huge meatloaf, oh, you I know, tangent here, though. but, uh, you know that uh, in the last couple of years, he started touring again and sort of doing the nostalgia trip and doing like, uh, you know, the Bad at Hell album in its entirety and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know that Meatloaf has the short hair now. Yes. But there's sections of that show where he comes out in a Meatloaf wig. costume, basically. Why not? Yeah. Where he, where he puts the wig on and he's got the shirt on button and everything. And he's singing to an 18-year-old girl, which gets kind of, of creepy. Course. Yeah. My <laughs> cousin uh, went to go see him, you know, years and years ago. It was my older cousin. And she went to go see him when he was when he was the hottest thing on the planet. And she had never really seen what he looked like. She had the record, which does have a picture of him on the back cover. Yeah. But she said when she saw him just sweating at the microphone, <laughs> she's like, these songs are no longer as sexy as they sounded before. Yeah. Um, he Another was on, absurd name, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a guy, and he tried the meatloaf. A day. A day or Addy. I don't know what it was. It's, I, I used to I, say I, a day just because I thought it was funny. Like, you go to the doctor. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm prescribing you a meatloaf a day. That's right. He's like, you need to put on a few pounds. Meatloaf a day ought to do it. I I also want to point out, he was on Monday Night Raw once. I don't remember that. During the run of of guest hosts, he had an album. uh, It was like Hang Low Teddy Bear, I think. Oh, yes. Okay. And he got RKO'd. He came out and uh, (laughs) tried to get Randy Orton to sing with him. I remember that now, yes. This uh, film was written by the writing team of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Do you know these guys? Um, I do not. I recognize the name only because of uh, Captain America, the first Avengers. These okay. guys worked on the Captain America script. They wrote that. Wow. And I, uh, I would notice... One time I was searching for Mr. McFeely of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and I got Stephen McFeely and, you know, Captain Rogers, who became Captain America. (laughs) Right? His name is is Rogers. Steve Rogers, yeah. Steve Rogers. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and I remember that from then on, I was always like, that's so weird. What an odd thing that that would happen. Uh, But they did a bunch of other movies. They did uh, the Chronicle of Narnia films and Thor, the the newest one, The Dark World. Uh, as well as uh, the next Captain America, they're the Winter also Soldier. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because none of those films um, really are comedies by any stretch. Yeah, yeah. Um, now they did do early on. They did this film, uh, which I believe is a co- comedy called "The Life and Death of Peter Sellers." Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wonder how much of that was, you know, this is Michael Bay. You weren't expecting a comedy right off the bat. And then there was, well, we got these guys. And let's just uh, point out that there are certainly moments in uh, in in Captain America where there's some some levity. There's some, you know, oh, yeah. liners and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's, you know, that's why he chose them. He wanted he wanted good action and maybe maybe good action's harder to write than good comedy. Yeah, you know what? That is a very good point. From acclaimed director Michael Bay comes Pain and Gain, a new action comedy starring Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, and Anthony Mackie. Based on the unbelievable true story of a group of personal trainers in the 1990s Miami who, in pursuit of the American dream, get caught up in a criminal enterprise that goes horribly wrong. 
Now, that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about right off the bat was the the 1990s setting. Do you think it was necessary? Um, and at any point, did you think that it didn't feel like the 1990s? It did feel like the 1990s to me. Um, I don't remember a moment where it didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rock standing there with a skateboard always said 1990 <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I didn't, I, I didn't, there was no point where I really lost that feeling. Um, you know, they, they didn't go out of their way. Like when they showed the cars and stuff, it wasn't like they were like, you know, really going out of their way to show how old the cars were and stuff and hairstyles weren't over the top or anything, but like Mm -hmm. the female, uh, that's, um, when we get to later in the story, The the guy who's like the porn king played by mm-hmm. Michael Rispoli. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his uh, wife had a very very nineties look to her. Yeah, hairstyle. I thought, um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a tough call. I, I you know I don't know. Um, I will say it kind of had to be only for the sake of you know trying to keep saying this is a true story, which they. Yeah. They did want to really stress all over this, which is another thing that happened in Fargo. They really wanted you to keep remembering true story. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the only thing that really locked them down because you would think that anytime you're making a movie, um, as soon as it it's becomes a period piece, instantly, you know, a couple of zeros get added to your budget. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Um, I want to mention something that I noticed right off the bat here. Mark Wahlberg has no tattoos in this movie. Yeah, and, he, and he's normally got a lot. He's got the rose, uh, the rosary beads, right? And he's, he's got, got a big something big on one of his biceps. Bob Marley. Yeah, uh, he's okay. got a Tweety Bird tattoo on his leg. And when I saw this, I was like, "Wow, they really did a good job of covering his tattoos." And then I was like, "I wonder why they didn't cover the Rock's tattoos because mm-hmm. the Rock has a ton of tattoos, and uh, he, his character is is you know, it's." logical that he would have tattoos i mean he's a guy who's been in prison and is a is a weightlifter and a bodybuilder but Mm -hmm. it's no more odd that marky mark's character then would have them really i I guess perhaps you'd think it's because he was a guy that felt his body was his temple and all that but so i did some googling and i found out that marky mark has had his tattoos removed wow really which i i had not heard somehow this went by me and he went through a lot of treatments and had them removed and uh, had his children go with him because he wanted to stress to them not to get tattoos like dear old dad did. Oh, wow. You know what? I I never thought that that technology had gotten to a state where it was completely gone. I mean, Uh, yeah, no, it it is. I've, I've seen people that have had it done. It does. It goes away. I mean, you get minimal scarring and it goes away. And I think, um, while it's not, while it's certainly much more expensive than the tattoo, it's also affordable now. I think there was a time where it was relatively, you know, r- you know, ridiculously expensive, and most health insurances are going to co- cover that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the technology is there, and I'm, I think that the people that figured that out are going to be making a mint for the rest of eternity. You know, I mean, there is so many people that are going to be growing up being like, I don't know, I don't really like Super Mario Brothers anymore. I. Yeah. Really... And, uh, yeah, you know what? And I guess it, it's bad news for that show. Um, I forgot what it's called. Miami there Ink? Be... No, there, there's... Uh, it's one where people actually come in with tattoos that they no longer want, and these guys clean them up and ch- turn them into something different. Like a sure. guy came in with like uh, 
he had a, you know above his butt you know where the girls normally get it he had uh he had something and they ended up turning it into a whole back piece and that ended up being the bottom of it and you know like one girl had like her ex-boyfriend's face so you know they they changed that but uh so I, I'm sure these guys don't want to hear that that technology has become affordable. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but it, I think it's not as I think it's cheaper to get, you know, to have the guy, uh, you know, uh, that just covers it up and makes, you know, turns it into something else. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Marky Mark had uh, I think it was like Tweety and Sylvester. <laughs> Uh, it was like Sylvester eating Tweety, if I remember correctly, but he had, uh, a, you know, this Tweety bird tattoo and he had that because he had gotten a shamrock done, but he didn't have it done professionally and he uh, said it looked horrible. And so he actually had gotten that to cover it. <laughs> now, do you think it took him more than one tattoo artist to, to, to do that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a, I think that's a lot of work just because I know from any time I'm trying to like write something and I put the wrong letter, how hard it is to be like, well, I'll turn the B into an M. Let me go up and down. Yeah. So we start out Mark Wahlberg's training on the side of the gym. The cops arrive and then we cut back in time. So Mark Wahlberg, we know in the future is going to be on the run from the cops. Yeah, yeah. We see he's a personal trainer and a gym manager. Uh, we see that he's this guy that, you know, feels that you have to be fit. Everybody should be fit. And that if you're not fit, he not only feels sorry for you, he despises you. Yeah, and I think right out of the gate, they do a really bad job setting this character up because he seems like he's pretty successful. You know, it seems like he's got a pretty good, you know, job and he's got a pretty good batch of, you know, clients. Um and when he really starts thinking about, you know, what he can do to, to get more, it didn't really feel earned to me. They did show a shot of him in his apartment, and his apartment didn't look like the luxury that he was living in. And mm-hmm. I think what I got out of it was he doesn't like Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub's yeah. this guy he's training, and he feels like this slob shouldn't have this kind of money. This guy doesn't work out, and he's mm-hmm. gross and sweaty and not cool like me. And yeah. he doesn't wear the really cool perfume I wear. And he doesn't, you know, he's, he's, why does he have all this money? Yeah, you know? yeah. And Tony Shalhoub's character is a bit of a jerk. He's really nice to Mark Wahlberg, but yes. he seems like a jerk to other people. And and so I think part of it is just he wants to get even with that guy for no for an imagined slight. Yeah, and I mean the one thing they really did in the marketing of this movie and 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 Marky Mark says in voiceover a bunch of times is, you know, somehow tying his success to the American dream and they it, it was a note that just didn't work for me and you'd think if he was all about the American dream he would be totally down with what Tony Shalhoub's character is. Yeah, done. Tony Shalhoub's <laughs> character is the American dream. Yeah. Exactly. Well, not Dusty Rhodes. But <laughs> So we get a we get another flashback here and we see so we're with in a flashback and we get a flashback to earlier when he got the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we see him get his start at the gym. We learn that he had a criminal past, looked like he was doing some kind of a scam, taking money from old people. Mm-hmm. We see Johnny Wu, the self-help guru that uh, Wahlberg's character is totally obsessed with. Uh, who plays Johnny Wu? That is um, Ken Jeong from yeah, and- uh, the, the Mr. Leslie Chow from the Hangover movies mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, Judd Apatow movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, this and is also the guy Role Models, which is one of my favorite performances from him. Is is that the, the one where he's the, he's the guy that a larper? 
Yes, he's like the king of the LARPers. <laughs> and he makes yeah. uh, Paul Rudd kiss his, uh, kiss his ring at one point. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> a funny movie. Yeah, he's a guy who has really gotten by on playing a, the same quirky character mm-hmm. In a five to ten minute role in a bunch of movies. Yes, good for him. And he actually started his career as a doctor. Yes, he's yeah. a real doctor. Yeah, um, it's it's also interesting that he has been smart enough, possibly, to not try to play the lead and not get overexposed. You know, oh goodness, perhaps yeah. that's what happened with John Heater. John Heater, mm-hmm. uh, you know made it real big after Napoleon Dynamite. Maybe this is the route he should have taken, a bunch of quirky small roles instead of a bunch of leads and semi-leads, you know, which, you know, has now led to his career right now, at least, is very slow. Yeah, sadly. And I, I just want him to come back to Raw. Oh, God. He, and so, you know what? Anytime they, they're lacking heels, just bring them in. The Blue Flame, man. Bring him in. I loved him. And when he was tag teaming with the Big Show and the Miz, yeah. it was one of the best things I've ever seen in wrestling. Really was. I'm, I'm, it, I'm I mean, surprised they didn't get him down to developmental and uh, put some bulk onto him. Some modern day Andy Kaufman. He doesn't need the bulk. <laughs> yes. So, um, so we, Mark Wahlberg's character wants to rob Tony Shalhoub, as we talked about. So he gets these bodybuilders. He gets Adrian Dorball, played by mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie. This was a guy I didn't know. Yeah, he's and, Papa Doc from 8 Mile. Okay, all right. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. So yeah. that, uh, is that, is that his only claim to fame? No, you know what? Um, he's been in something else. He was in, I think, it's all right. No, don't, yeah. don't put yourself on the line. Yeah, yeah. There's I've seen IMDb. him. I've seen him a handful of times, but but when I saw him, I instantly said, "Hey, that's Papa Doc." Ah, very interesting. Yeah, this is uh, an actor. Uh, also, the Hurt Locker, according okay. to according to IMDb, uh, Million Dollar Baby, he was in. Mm, wow. Real Steel. Uh, you know, looks like a guy who's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he seems to have passed me by because I, I yeah. don't think I've seen any of the movies he's done. But uh, uh, he shows up kind of odd to me that, that most of the posters, I did find one that he was on, but most of them, it's Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, and that's not the movie. The movie is these three guys and yeah. more Anthony Mackie than The Rock. The Rock, uh, his Paul Doyle character is big in the film, but not as big as uh, Anthony Mackie. Yeah. And the one thing that was interesting to me was, and I guess this was, you know, Hollywood where you suspend your disbelief a little bit, they were showing him competing in muscle building competitions and and really working out, and he didn't seem to have any kind of physique. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I thought he. I thought he looked all right. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think the thing was he didn't look like The Rock and he didn't look like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, I. You know. I mean, I think that there. He was trying all this stuff. You know, he yeah. was the one trying breast milk and all these things to try to try to get bigger. Yeah. And maybe that was you know what they were going for was you know that uh, some guys need some extra juice, some guys don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see the rock's criminal past, you know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's had some run-ins with the law and, uh, and then we see him fight Kurt Angle. Yes. Now, I, when, when I was watching that, I said, wow, the rock's fighting a guy that kind of looks like Kurt Angle. Cause I thought he looked a little bit, he looked a little off. Right. And then I was like, no, that is Kurt Angle. Did you have the same reaction? 
I had seen you tweet out when oh. you saw it before okay. that Kurt Angle was in it. So when mm. I saw him, I was like, whoa, that's that's Kurt Angle. And then I was yeah. like, oh, right. You know, Craig said Kurt Angle is in this. So I didn't get that. Uh, I, I was already, already yeah. sort of ha- in the back of my mind expecting him. Yeah. But it's a very odd thing. I mean, I don't know why. I guess they were in, in Florida and TNA's yeah. in Florida and The Rock, maybe he was visiting the set. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's crazy that he shows up and is and, just fighting. Yeah, and too bad that um, Kurt didn't promote this on TNA Impact because then you could have probably the the only time in history where you had two different wrestling promotions yeah. promoting the same thing. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> so The Rock is working at a church, and he has a mentor that hits on him, and so The Rock almost kills him mm-hmm. and then is like, I'll go along with your plan. But before this, The Rock's character reminded me a lot of Mr. T, his character like in the A-Team. You know, okay, he was yeah. a guy that had like this past where he was you know, from the streets and he had, uh, he had you know, been in the military in the A-Team. You know, and in this, he had been in prison, but you know, they went to a military prison in the A-Team. <laughs> and yet he drank his milk you know, yeah. and he said you know, he, he prayed to God and everything else. And it really – to me, there was a lot of similarities of you know, the really big, you know, bulky, scary guy mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's totally really soft-spoken and really you know, trying to – drink his milk and you know but can turn on the the grumpy face if he needs to yeah and this is actually the point in the movie too where the 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 rocks character sort of starts to get you know uh deceived by by marky mark because they basically marky mark says we're going to kidnap tony shalhoub we're going to have him sign over his life to us um and then pretty much let him go whereas marky mark's intention the whole time was to make it look like he was died in a drunk driving accident yeah yeah i mean the rock uh uh is well first they 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 dress as ninjas and a frog for some reason they they catch to, uh tony shalhoub tony shalhoub recognizes marky mark's cologne which was a line that was dropped earlier in the film yeah marky so, mark's using an accent and, yeah uh, he's he, he hears right blindfolded but yeah. it doesn't matter because he's got this goofy cologne on um, so we get to meet Michael Rispoli. He's playing a porn king. Uh, they're torturing Shalhoub, trying to get him to sign these papers. Uh, his boss notarizes it. Yeah. And they attempt to kill Shalhoub by blowing up his car. And then The Rock has to run him over like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and he doesn't and, want to. No, because during the whole there's – I think they're torturing him for the, a, a period of weeks – yeah, um, in a warehouse. It's a long time, and The Rock is the guy who sympathizes with. Yeah, him. they actually become. I guess the closest thing you could, you know, have to a friend when you're being tortured by them. But you know, he he feeds them, and and you know, they talk to each other. Um, so yeah, he he definitely um, definitely you know likes the guy, and then Marky Mark sort of forces him to uh, to run him over. Yeah, but because of the way a concrete barricade was, he he doesn't die, and uh, he survives, but no one believes him when he's sitting there in the hospital bed saying, these guys tortured me, these guys took everything from me. Ed Harris shows up as a detective, and and nobody, you know, he he doesn't believe him either. This is a problem I had with the movie at this Mm -hmm. point. Early in the movie, Mark Wahlberg's the central character. We're hearing everything from his perspective. Mm -hmm. Then The Rock, we're hearing everything from his perspective. He's narrating the film. Then Ed Harris shows up. Now we're hearing the movie from his perspective. The the narrative for this movie is just all over the place. It seemed really almost jarring. 
Yeah, you know, the only other time I think I've really seen that done is in like uh, the Scorsese films like Goodfellas or Casino. Mm. But there's those have such a tone right out the gate. Here it definitely was jarring the first time you hear a voice that wasn't Marky Marks. Yeah. So uh so they try to kill him at the hospital. That doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, they live in Shalhoub's house. This is just crazy at this point. Yeah, I mean, they basically they've they've run his family out of town. I think they they send a note to his wife saying that, um, or he had him call his wife and say that he was leaving her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically, uh, you know, legally obtain the rights to all of his property uh, when he signs it over. And you know, they have the uh, you know the the, the notarized documents. So. Uh, <laughs> Here they are living in this guy's house where he's, you know, uh, in a motel, you know, half dead. So we get uh, we get them at Shalhoub's house where Mark's playing basketball with the neighborhood's kids, basically beating them up. Uh, <laughs> he starts this neighborhood watch. We see him on a on a um, like a, a, a tractor. Mm-hmm. And I noticed on the side, this is a Snapper NXT, and this ah. is a whole line of lawnmowers from Snapper. Excellent. So that's like the developmental line of. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there. yeah, these are the ones. They're, they're not, you know, you, when you when you get up to the big leagues, you need a professional <laughs> lawnmower. But these are, you know, when you're getting there. Uh, there's another connection to wrestling in this movie. The Rock at one point is shown going into the Hotel Fountain Blue, uh, and he's wearing. His silk shirt he used to wear in the WWF. Yeah, you know what? And that wasn't something I noticed when I was watching the movie. But after uh, after you watched it, you, you know, you sent me that picture, and then I remembered that they. I even read a story about this when it came out. At you know how it's the actual shirt that he wore in the, in the nineties. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's very funny. I had you know somebody had posted it, and I I remembered seeing it, and then when it showed up, I was like, oh, there's that shirt. So uh, the Fountain Blue, by the way, very famous uh, hotel in Miami, probably the most famous hotel there. I know you uh, said that it's the hotel from a James Bond movie. Okay, yeah, well, Goldfinger. That's right. So we've, we've talked, we talked about, about that. Yeah. And it also is the hotel from uh, Jerry Lewis movie. I mean, it's a really, yeah. really famous hotel. Been in a lot of films. When they want to establish what Miami is, they almost always show you the Hotel Fountain Blue. That's great. And it, and I guess that was one of the things that they were able to go to, and they didn't have to dress it um, anyway. That's a, a hotel yeah. that's pretty much stood the, the same way for, for decades. No, it looks very much the same. I went there uh, when when WrestleMania was in Miami and I had the Jerry Lewis movie from, you know, the early 60s mm-hmm. on my phone and was watching it in the lobby and there was so much that was the same. I mean, it really hadn't, they hadn't redecorated much of anything. I mean, you know, obviously you get new furniture and stuff, but the layout and everything else very much the same as how it was, you know, decades before. So it's a classic place that yeah. doesn't, doesn't feel the need to change. Yeah, that's awesome. So Ed Harris starts to believe in Tony Shalhoub and mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's investigating The Rock with all this money, he's now giving up his life of goodness and going back to the cocaine and the loose women. He yeah. starts to spend all of his money. Yeah, he becomes that cliche, man. Anthony Mackie gets married to a nurse he met because steroids had made him impotent. Yeah, and the only reason he wanted money is so he could get a shot into his uh, his uh, nether his nether regions to uh, yeah. to get his manhood back. 
I was not totally sure where the shot exactly was going, uh, which part of it it was hitting it in, but I didn't want to know. I, you yeah. know, I, I kind of was just like, ah, I'll just, uh, I'll let that go. Uh, and I'm not going to watch the behind the scenes on how they did that scene. And we uh, had a cool, we had a cool, uh, cameo there, if you want to call it that, with a, a guy who'd worked on a lot of Michael Bay movies and was even in Nacho Libre. It was, uh, Pete, um, Stormier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, he does show up. Uh, he is a, a fantastic actor. And yeah, that's true. He was, he had, a, I, I guess it probably was a cameo or at least a, a, a mm-hmm. smaller role for, for him. And yeah, uh, yeah he was great. He yeah, was, he's always great in those Michael Bay movies. He was great as sort of the crazy Russian guy that had been alone on that space station for years on right. in Armageddon. And then also in Bad Boys 2, he was the Russian Grim Reaper. That's right. That's a, <laughs> such a great part. So, um, the Rock tries to rob an armored truck and loses his toe. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that scene is, you know, he's he dives underwater mm-hmm. um, and when he gets his toe shot off. And the guy that took that shot and got his toe went on never realizing that he, with dead, deadly accuracy, shot a guy's toe off <laughs> underwater. <laughs> the uh he gets the green dye all over him and is wandering around at this point the movie is really silly i mean yeah, it's a yeah. silly movie at this point um the home of frank gringa uh, rispoli's mm-hmm. character you told me an interesting fact about this house yeah that house currently belongs to director michael bay and i guess as a way to save money they were just like, we'll make it Frank's house. Um, but it is also the former Miami home of Hulk Hogan, and it was used in the Miami seasons of Hogan Knows Best. Wow. Yeah. That is really crazy. Uh, I mean, you know, what an important piece in uh, not only wrestling history, but the downfall of one Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Now, can you imagine? I mean, Michael Bay and Hulk Hogan, I'm sure, have very different sensibilities. Um, I wonder how much dehoganing Michael Bay had to do. <laughs> and there's probably like a Brian Knob spray you have to spray to yeah. get rid of the the Brian Knob scent. <laughs> there's probably a whole industry out there that denobs things. That's very true. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so they try and run the same scam on uh, Rispoli's character. Yeah. Um, but this time they are on a very accelerated schedule. Yeah, and uh, then Mark Wahlberg gets really mad at him for, and he's not justified uh, in doing so, and he and he kills him by by accident. But he's really he throws his head through a TV set and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And by the way, that TV set dead giveaway that it's 1990s. They you know they went with the old CRT tube. Telephone. Oh yeah, yeah. So they kill these people. And they eventually cut their bodies up. They empty their bank accounts. Uh, Hair gets stuck in a chainsaw. The rock's barbecuing up their hands. Mm -hmm. This is weird stuff that's happening. It is. And and, and it really – they even try and like either remind you that it's a true story when the rock is barbecuing hands by putting on the screen, this is a true story. Or they were going for a laugh or both. 
Um, yeah, but that is where it started to really bother me. I was like, so it's not funny yeah. that these people are dead. Yeah. It's it's funny to me if hair gets stuck in a chainsaw mm-hmm. in a silly, you know, in a movie yeah. where it's totally fake. And, oh, how funny that is. You know, the guy that's chopping up this woman with a chainsaw in a totally made-up story, yeah. he gets the chainsaw stuck in her hair. I get it. I can laugh at that. Not no no bit of prudishness on that. That's fine with me. But yeah. if you're telling me here's a real woman yeah. who had parents, mm-hmm. who grew up, mm-hmm. who went to school, had friends, then got married, you know, fell in love and yeah. and had a life and then died and now whether we changed her name or what and yeah. whether the hair really got stuck in the chainsaw, mm-hmm. portions of this story are true. They're yeah. telling us that. And that's sad to me. I'm sad for that person. And I I start to sit there and go, you know, I'm having trouble being happy about the silliness in this movie. You give me the the rock barbecuing a bunch of hands on a grill, it's hard for me not to love that. But when I keep remembering that the hands were real people's hands, Mm -hmm. I just have a little bit of trouble with that kind of tone on a true story. Yeah, and and there was never a point in this movie where, you know, there's plenty of movies I've watched where you're following the the quote-unquote bad guy and you find yourself rooting for him to get away with it because you start to like those people. There was never a point in this movie where I was like, man, I really hope these guys get away with it. Um, I I just think, you know, making those guys the, the hero of the movie and even at points, you know, sort of making the victims look like they somehow deserved what they got. Just, yeah. yeah, it was really and hard silly. for me to watch it, as The well. victims come off as, as you know, buffoons and, mm-hmm. and, and silly and almost criminal people, which really, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I don't think we should hate these people. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really get why these people are so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the movie starts to wrap up at this point. Uh, it takes a while to get there. There's a whole trial after they get caught. So, I mean, we, we eventually flash back to Mark Wahlberg on the side of the building, and then he's yeah. running, and that's the beginning of the film. So we get that. We get them on trial. The Rock turns state's evidence and gives them, you know, whatever he knows, and yeah. he gets a lighter sentence. And then the film wraps up, and then they do the part that I hate the most. Is it Marky Mark doing his final voiceover in the prison? No, but oh. uh, w- what about that? What about that? Bo- was there something that bothered you about it that? It just seemed like a final moment where they they painted him as some kind of, yeah. you know, patriot no, or something. I you see know? what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, where they gave the, the hero ending yeah. at least to him or yeah. at least a martyr, you mm-hmm. know, ending. No, to what bothered me was they did something which often in movies is very cool where in the credits they show you – Oh, yeah. A real photo of the real people. Now, I don't know if that really was them. It didn't say this is a real photo of them, but it it's was. implied. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I didn't know, you know, I mean, they could have just showed a picture of somebody else, yeah. and, you know, still been going on some fiction. But mm-hmm. so they tell you who these people really were, yeah. and they show you their real faces. Mm-hmm. And I, it made me sad. And, you know, it made me also, I don't like, you know, I like natural born killers. Sure, yeah, that's right? a movie, yeah. I, I think you know it's it, it's fun to watch Woody Harrelson kill people, and I I like that character, and I'll cheer for that character. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to cheer for the real life version of that guy, even if it's you know fictionalized for a movie. I just I yeah, there's exactly. something about that that's really off putting. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you 100. percent And 
you know, Natural Born Killers is a perfect example because those were characters that were painted in a way that, that, you know, that kind of made you root for them. Um, and also was complete fiction. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we get, you know, to the actual tapping or not, just what I want to say about this movie is if this movie was fiction, I think I would have found it a lot funnier if they had never said it was a true story. And I didn't find that out to the end. Mm -hmm. I think I also would have liked it better. Um, I I was when they kept telling me and they tell you more than once, you pointed out when rock is barbecuing hands Mm -hmm. and the film's gone out of control, they go out of their way to tell you. And I, you know, it's one of those things that if I thought that this was just a made up story, I think I would have had more fun watching it. They do point out a significant moment in this. Uh, a body was identified, the body of uh, Michael Rispoli's wife, by her breast implants. Yeah. And that yeah, was the first time it, yeah. that that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that moment in the film made me go, God, that woman was chopped up so bad they couldn't identify her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's depressing and i don't know how from top to bottom people in the studio were like yeah this will work this is a good idea yeah you know? uh-huh. no i i agree and and it just seems like they really could have done this movie much differently um you know go with a serious sort of respectful tone yeah and just think how interesting it might have been if the movie started with like tony shalhoub's character in the hospital with nobody believing him and then we f- sort of follow Ed Harris slowly start to believe this guy's story right. and then try to uncover the truth. And That's then we a- sort of get introduced to Marky Mark and his whole gang as they're about to do it again. Um, it just seems like – It's a better narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, and I mean you know, if you're going to tell that this horrible, horrible, horrible story um, – you know, not that it should be told or – you know, yeah. but if, 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 if I was tasked with telling it, I think that's what I would do. Yeah. I wouldn't jump to comedy at any point. Yeah, it's, it just is such an odd thing for me. Yeah. Uh, switching gears, the Miami Marine Stadium is briefly shown for a brief second in this. You see it; it's a it's a stadium. You see a bunch of seats. Uh, there's there's a, a a bit with a dog that you know eventually runs to a racetrack, and there's you know there's a couple scenes where they're showing different sites of Miami, and this particular site is. A, a bunch of stadium seats that are all graffitied and done in a way that it's almost beautiful. Okay. And when I saw this, I said, let me find out what this is. And I Googled it and found out. In 1963, the Miami Marine Stadium was built. And this was a the first purpose purpose built stadium for powerboat racing in the United States. Oh, this wow. was a 6,500 seat stadium that looked out onto the water. And this is where people watched racing. And not only did some people watch it, this place was really popular for a while. Sammy Davis Jr. liked to go there. Mitch Miller, who famously did a sing-along-with-Mitch comedy show on television, and President Richard Nixon wow, that's went awesome. to this stadium. Yeah. And uh, it also did other things. There were... Um, Concerts there, there were boxing events, uh, and uh, then after Hurricane Andrew, they, uh, they, they felt it was unsafe under the building code. So Hurricane Andrew came in 1992 and did damage to it, and since then, there's been a lot of efforts to try to repair it, but it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so since it's been condemned in 1992, and you know, been sitting there ever since, it's become a place that graffiti artists go and they graffiti everything all over the place. Oh, that's and so cool. 
it's got it's got some neat graffiti. And one of the things I find that in, that's interesting is if you go in in certain areas, especially in Florida, um, there's a lot of graffiti when you have abandoned buildings. In in other areas, you know, in the East Coast, there's very little graffiti. Even in New York, there's not a lot of graffiti. It's it's graffiti is like an interesting cultural thing that happens in different areas. There's yeah. a lot more graffiti on the West Coast mm-hmm. and a lot more graffiti down South than there is, you know, on the East Coast. It's uh, and it it is kind of funny. I've watched a lot of videos online. Uh, there's a guy named Adam the Woo who does videos on YouTube where he goes to places that are closed down, and it's always interesting to me which ones sit there and people, you know, maybe go in and out of them, but people don't spray paint them, and which ones people do. So yeah. this yeah. place is is really cool to look at, and has been apparently used in quite a few films because of the fact that it looks so interesting, and I think that's why they chose it for this scene in this movie. Oh, neat. I'm going to have to uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah, in- it's very brief, and so brief that I didn't note what scene it was mm-hmm. when I was watching the film, and when I went back, I couldn't find it. So it's, it's in there for just a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, so this is a recent movie. It's almost, uh, silly to, to go back yeah. to the state of wrestling, uh, you know, back in April, but, yeah. uh, you know, let's, uh, let's go for the, uh, the most obvious thing. WrestleMania yeah. was that month. This was, uh, being promoted WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. And, uh, this is the WrestleMania that happened in New York City. We both attended it. It was, uh, uh, by all accounts, uh, reviewed as a very underwhelming WrestleMania. Yeah. There was a lot of um, there was a lot I think that goes to when you have a, a sport where the outcome is is determined in advance. Yeah. Sometimes when you set something up like the Roxena and then you do the Roxena again. Yeah. And we kind of know that it it probably has to go a certain way. It, mm-hmm. it it takes away for at least a lot of people. It takes away their ability to sit back and, and enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, the Rock was the champion going into this yeah. on the title from CM Punk and went ahead and lost it to John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah, and could arguably or questionably be his last match, potentially. The Rock, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he he took a pretty severe injury during the match. Uh, what, he ripped his, 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 his uh, one of his pecs right yeah. off the bone? No, no, that wasn't it. He ripped. Uh, he had a, an, an injury to his, his, his abs, I believe. Oh, right, yeah. Um, hold on. Let's let's get let's yeah. go. So we're not getting the wrong thing. Let's just yeah. go. All I remember is whatever it was, it came right off the bone. And and I, I think The Rock is probably at his, a point in his career now where his, his managers and his people are probably like, hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, why don't you just do G.I. Joe instead? <laughs> well, The Rock has said that he has has mostly healed from this and that he will. Uh, he said that his wrestling career is not over. Oh, okay. uh, but uh, that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean it's not over. Well, it would have been a nice bookend because, as 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 amazing as this sounds, me and you were both at his first televised match. It's true, and we could have been at what was his last match. So it would have been an amazing sort of bookend for us to have been at, at you know two historic matches in his career. Ah, yes, um, yes, it was his ab. He, he mm-hmm. tore his 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 abdominal abductor muscle yeah uh and his his doctor had to push it back in place so he could go train to to work on his next movie so ouch you know what the thing about wrestlemania for me was and i was there live so i didn't even get a sense of of this really until i got sort of home and was able to read about the event but it was the sort of lack of 
backstage stuff um, that you normally get at WrestleMania. It seemed like there wasn't any of that. Well, they, yeah, they they were short on time. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, you know, obvious. They cut a match out of the show, and, you know, throughout the show, there were lots of things that were cut. Jack Swagger's entrance, you know, which was clearly set up to be a big deal with him in that uh, little RV, Jeep, like, you know, that yeah. he was riding down. Uh, that was cut from television. The, uh, the America the Beautiful didn't happen, which is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, it always happens, you know. Vince mm-hmm. Vince loves to have, uh, or is it God Bless America? Vince loves God Bless yeah, America. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it, it was interesting, um, but uh, but that was WrestleMania. Yeah. The other yeah. one thing I think that's worth talking about real quick is okay. that WrestleMania weekend has really become sort of uh, the destination for every wrestling federation, almost like. I know you went to a lot of different wrestling that weekend in sure. terms of, you know, everybody sort of goes to the area where WrestleMania is to sort of show off their product. And then get that money. Yeah, which is kind of neat. I, you know, I mean, uh, it almost seems like it's going to become a tradition, you know, to do the, you know, the, the late $5 wrestling, um, you know, after the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, Ring of Honor will do a show. And, you know, it, it, and it just seems kind of cool to me that, you know, that wrestling fans have a weekend every year that they can sort of devote to being a wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, TNA had uh, TNA Extravaganza, which uh, was actually filmed in January but aired April 5th, 2013. And the main event of that was Austin Aries defeating Samoa Joe in a singles match. Also on the card was Rob Van Dam mm-hmm. defeating Jerry Lynn. Mm-hmm. That's what was going on in TNA. Yeah, Jerry Lynn was since retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, had, he he may have. I think he retired like the next week or something. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, TNA recorded all those pay-per-views at the beginning of the year and are continuing to show them. So, Craig, do you tap out to Pain and Gain? Yeah, you know what? I gave a lot of my explanation about, about why I feel the way I do about this movie in the body of our review. And I will say that... Um, my feelings on the the way they presented the characters aside, I think tonally it just doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. Um, the movie did lose me a handful of times, so I got to say that I, I I have to tap to uh, Pain and Gain. When I when I watched this again, I knew very little going into it. Uh, I thought it was an interesting story. I was I found the story compelling. I mean, I had not heard this story, and I thought it was visually appealing. And I thought that The Rock was fantastic. I liked mm-hmm. him in every scene he's in. As silly as the film around him is, he's very good, and he's his his he carries himself well throughout it. Uh, but in the end, I there's so much that bothers me about this, and I can tell you. If this was not a true story, I'd give it a, yeah, I'm not going to tap out. Mm-hmm. But because of that, that weighs heavily enough that it turns it from a mediocre film that I'm not tapping out to, to a mediocre film I will tap out to. So I tap out to Pain and Gain. Well, Craig, thank you for joining me on this one. Thank you, as always. It, it was a pleasure. And thank you to you for listening, and we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills. In the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down the 
was Jimmy King. Oh my God, a four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view.